0: guys of a certain age is brought to you by no one absolutely no one except these dudes walking down memory lane now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next another time another place another guys of a certain age robbie Coblen sitting in studio alongside Art Shirley And Jay Reed Again, you did it in that order That's I, awesome. I started
1: to change it up that time
0: Yeah, yeah, it had been awkward silence And it's like sitting in the studio with Jay my, Reed Myself
1: That's what I should have done Instead yeah. of Jay
2: Reed Oh, that would be funny
0: Then you could be Jay And then you would be yeah. Art
2: Yeah There was no eye contact So I didn't know how to respond
0: Yeah, we get into this And we're kind of like Everybody's looking at their notes And just like Okay, we're ready We're ready for the moment So uh, Speaking of moments It's the moment for Geek of the Week what do you guys got?
1: All right. I've got uh, something that's called the Spotify or a Spotify for uh, for comic books, online comic books. And there's been different things. I don't know if any of y'all have looked at Comixology before or yes. subscribed to Marvel's uh, online or DC's online offerings. But this is supposed to be, it's a freemium service and it's called Graphite Comics. Uh, they're going to offer a subscription, which you can uh, do for $4.99 a month and you can get your content then uh, without any ads but uh, otherwise, it's free, and uh, they include uh, content from Boom Studios, IDW Publishing, Legendary Comics, and more. So it's not DC and Marvel stuff, but there's a lot of really good comic books out in uh, independent comics or, or smaller label things. They, they get to take some more chances. Uh, so Like Saga. Yeah, yeah. Because that's uh, – who is that? Is that Legendary? Well, I can't
0: remember who that, is. I'm that sorry is that I can't remember Spry that. And, that's, yeah, that's a, Brian Vaughn. And um, oh, I can't remember yeah. the artist. Sorry. And sure. you
1: can find these things on Comicsology, But uh, the idea that you could go to a free ad supported site, I think it's a great thing for comic book creators because it will get their comic books seen. You know, uh, the competition with DC and Marvel is also often overwhelming. And possibly if they can be seen, then then hopefully that they're going to get some revenue based on this, too, just as, as artists, musical artists, get uh, revenue from Spotify and some of those other things. So it's called Graphite Comics, and I don't know if it's available yet, but it's coming soon.
0: So would they have graphite novels on them? Ooh, that was pretty funny. Come on. Graphic novels, graphite yeah, novels. Yeah, we got it. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> oh, we got it. <laughs> you got it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh wow. Okay. All right. On to Mr. J.
2: So do you know if I said the word earworm Yes. yes. What is that?
1: That's it's a song that gets stuck in your head. There it's you also go. a podcast.
2: Okay. All right. So if you uh researchers, this came from Spry Living, one of the Sunny magazines from actually a couple of years ago because Takes me a while to get through my papers. How do
1: you get a magazine called Spry Living? It comes in the Sunday paper.
2: Ah, yeah. Okay. You know, the actual paper that I receive on my <laughs> yeah, driveway. Right. Every, that, that's, every day. that's on top
0: of his DVDs from Netflix. That's right.
2: We're getting to that in a minute. Uh, so, Earworm, of course, can't shake that song from your head. So what do you, the, they've listed the five uh, stickiest songs?
0: Oh so no. Are we going to hit you for this? Your, yeah. Probably so. Yeah.
2: Okay. Any guesses?
0: Never going to give you out by Rick Ashley. Is that on there? It is not. Wow.
1: Pina Colada. No, but that's, I like that one.
2: I
0: right. hate that song. Oh, I mean, I like see.
1: that. That's a good answer. But, I, and sometimes it's the song that you hate the most that gets stuck in your head,
0: too. Uh, and that's not the name of hey, it. that's it's on the Guardians of the Galaxy, though. It's uh, What's the name of the song? Chris Pratt almost. Escape. <laughs> escape. The Pina Colada song. It's yeah, called Escape. Uh, yeah, in parentheses. Yeah. yeah. That's the Throne uh, Bongo
1: song. I think I explained that years ago in a podcast earlier that we, when we first started out. Yeah. Years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. years ago. Back uh, when we were all you know, in our teens uh, <laughs> and I was 12. That's right. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, achy breaky heart
2: God, that's another good answer it's not on their list <laughs> what is on your okay, list okay let me give you what's on my list uh, <clears throat> number one it, and I'm yeah, it's in the top five we will rock you by okay. Queen that's yeah. a good song second is happy by Pharrell Williams yeah okay um, yeah you know, that's, there's another one, too. Okay, We Are the Champions
1: is number three, also by Queen. Yeah, which uh, which is actually part of We Will Rock You. I'm
0: yeah, thinking. that's... Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, a combo for sure. Yeah, um, yeah that's cheating. The, your list is invalid now. Yeah. Number four, I'm going to be 500 Miles. No, so by the Proclaimers. Us. That one I remember. If I'm going to have her, I'm going to have her next to
1: you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And when I wake up,
2: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> well, I know I want to be, I want to be, be the, the man, man who wakes up, up, next, up next to you.
0: If <laughs> we only had <have> video...
1: <laughs> And then nobody would oh, right. Did they ever have another hit?
0: No I don't think yeah. so But they started out as a uh, hundred miles away <laughs> Yeah <laughs> As a Christian rock band
1: Did they really?
2: Oh, yeah Yeah Alright so the last one is YMCA By the Village People Now mine If I had picked one I would have picked um, The Lion Sleeps Tonight yeah. Which is now
0: A-wee from The we Lion A-wee 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 A-wee
1: Oh couldn't get it <laughs> Allergy season we Sorry
0: We need some auto-tune
2: and yeah. also, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, I would the think one. Bobby that would be. McCurron. I yeah. think that would be. Yeah, and we, we lived overseas for a while, and we had a guy, a friend of mine, had found, you know, sometimes things that don't sell here Will go overseas and sell really well other yeah. places. So, like David Hasselhoff's exactly music, or I was right? About right, right. So, we're in the middle. This is <laughs> huge you know, in Germany, a dusty corner of a Middle Eastern peninsula, and he's got a f- singing fish on his wall. You know, the one that yeah. when you oh, walk Billy in. Bass. It turned yeah. Billy Bass. It turns uh-huh. around and it sang that song. So, that just reminded me of that. But yeah. I, I can testify, I've been watching. Um, Trying to go through all the Oscar-nominated, you know, best movies on my Netflix DVDs, and the most recent one that we watched was *Bohemian Rhapsody*. Yeah, and for sure, I sang Queen songs in my head when I woke up in the middle of the night. I had all these Queen songs ruddling through. So, I, I,
1: thats for sure. Those two songs are well as to be Off on the mic, list. we saw *Rocket Man* mm-hmm. this weekend. Was that a science fiction? Uh, no, I was totally misled and. Uh, <laughs> That's how they got me into the movie. That's right. It's a musical about Elton John. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, also, an interesting thing: John Reed is was the manager of both uh, Freddie Mercury or Queen and Elton John. Huh. Played by two different Game of Thrones actors. Really? Yeah. Very bizarre.
0: Who and who played him in? Uh, Rocky uh, Littlefinger played him in. Yeah, Peter uh, Baelish. Bohemian, yeah. And then well, that's uh, not his real name. Who was uh, the guy
1: that died? The, the oldest. Well, that's most Stark of Game brother. of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a Richard, that <laughs> Richard Madden? I was gonna say in the Red Wedding. <gasps> Richard Madden? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who's also in bodyguard on Netflix, which is great by yeah. the way. Yeah.
1: He was good. He they played very different aspects of the character. But anyway, Just they like, ended so, with. I'm so he regenerating. He regenerated. Like the least favorite of my Elton John songs, or my least favorite Elton John song, and that's still the one standing that's stuck in struck. your head. Yeah, that's right. So and now it's going to be stuck in my head all day today. So
0: "Candle in the Wind." they did? No, do. they didn't
1: play that. Really? They they referenced it. He plays it uh, instrumentally. Uh, also. Uh, this is not a spoiler but they they put the the movies or the songs do not appear in chronological order so he you know it's it's a musical which i didn't realize so a song may be earlier in uh, in the timeline than it actually appeared because it fits what's happening in the in the movie
2: but well, he and Rhapsody had some out of order things yeah. also according to people who know more than me but i also, i just read that they considered putting I saw that too. Um, Malik in the one who played we that played yeah. Freddie Mercury talked that. Yeah, in the movie Rocket Man. Right, that would have been pretty cool. Decided not to. And yeah. the guy
1: said, "I didn't want to create a cinematic universe." Universe, right? I saw it.
0: <laughs> wow, wow. So you could have. You know the Beatles show
1: up, that sort of thing. So yeah. wow, wow! Yeah. So you're welcome for the earworms, listeners. Yeah, great, and and for the musical performances. Wow, wow! <laughs> I hope we're not going bonus get, episode uh, in trouble with any rights violation.
0: So uh, all right, I've got a downer here for for my geek of the week. Sorry, guys. So you you remember the Lorax by Dr. Seuss? Yes, right. You know, famous uh, one of his most famous books, and it was about a tree that died well the tree that inspired the lorax is dead oh no so this is a uh, was it on tumors corners in auburn no it wasn't oh, oh wow. too soon yeah, yeah. <laughs> go state so uh i'm gonna read from uh from gizmodo um, theodore geisel once wrote his popular children's book atop Mount Soledad in San Diego, California. From there, he could see a single Montgum- Monterey Cypress, not Montgomery Cypress, Monterey Cypress <laughs> Street that's set uh, within 11, 11... I can't even talk. Ellen Browning Scripps Park in La Jolla, California. That's the tree that was thought to inspire the Lorax. And uh, it fell last week. And so it's been removed. So the irony of... The Lorax' inspirational tree being taken down is kind of pretty deep, so okay. yeah. No, yeah, we'll, so, we'll be, be back
1: in a few minutes after uh, after we collect
0: ourselves. <laughs> we collect ourselves, but you know, in the book, there's only a single seed for the Lorax. Yes, and there are a lot of seeds for these trees, so they're not about to leave. But yeah, I thought that was kind of a
2: to leave.
0: Yeah. Wow! Leaf. Wow! You're barking up the wrong tree, there, Jake. Went out on a limb with that joke. Yeah. Wow! All right, yeah, let's branch right. out into our uh, <laughs> <laughs> main
1: Jay's topic.
0: I think Jay's about to lose it. So, wow! If we only had a video feed, yeah. So let's go from from earworms to depressing things back to happy songs and we were talking uh in some form of communication because we communicate a lot of ways the three of us um we really haven't done a music specific podcast and so we talked about um why don't we come up with three albums that were influential to us now back when i did radio you know back when Tesla invented it, or was it Marconi? Marconi. 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 Marconi played the Mamba. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. We built this podcast on rock and roll. <laughs> um, so, uh, radio station that a bunch of my friends worked at, Mix One Hundred Six here in town. Um, their program director, a shout out to Jim Scott, who was a fabulous PD for a rock, classic rock station. They did this thing on Saturday nights called the Digital Shipwreck. What would be the six CDs that you would take oh. with you? If you were shipwrecked a la Gilligan in the cast. I like the premise of that. On an island. So what are your six albums that you would have on that CD changer? Obviously, this is before Napster or the iPod. So let's pare that down a little bit. Let's talk about three important albums to, uh, to each of us. Now, they don't have to be all our all-time favorites. They, there's no qualifications there. But if you've got three albums that were impactful or that you continue to listen to to this day, what would it be for you guys and why?
1: And why? Yeah. so I didn't know we had to have a Y. Uh Oh, M-C-A. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Earworm stuck now. There you go. All right. So what did we decide we want to do? Each of us do our three? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I'll go first. And as I mentioned off mic, I am not doing the Beatles ordinarily. They would be, uh, if not all three of mine, they would certainly have a couple of entries in here. But I did notice looking at these that all of mine come from basically the same period, which is around 77, 78. Uh, I think uh, one of them was released in seventy. Six, but uh, the the hits started coming in '78. The first one I've gotten; these are in no particular order. Is "Rumors," which one is uh, by Fleetwood Mac and came out um, and mainly recorded in '76 and was released in '77. And uh, just to give you a couple of listings from the track listing here: "Secondhand News," "Dreams," uh, "Never Going Back," "Never Going Back Again," uh, "Don't Stop," which we've always heard, which you all heard. Uh, "The Chain" begins the second side. Uh, we this is back when albums had sides and so they were sometimes programmed that way. Uh, the change, my wife's favorite song, but, uh, just a great album. Uh, it was talking about depressing subjects. It was recorded largely as, uh, the couples in the, in the group, John McVie and, uh, Christy McVie and, uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks were, were going through very painful breakups. But as often happens, some of the best music comes out of the uh, pressing situations. But just a great album, solid top to bottom. It's one of those that uh, you know we will put on over and over again and listen to the whole thing. You don't really skip a track. We like everything about it. Uh, the second album I have is well, from, hold, hold, oh, on, sorry. hold on, hold on. So, you need the why. Do I need what? What was he? What were we say? I was going to say,
0: hold on. Uh, but go your own way. Have you ever listened to uh, any of the stems from that song? Stems being individual uh, music pieces of a of a song. So like a vocal track oh, or yeah. a guitar yeah. track. Uh, to me, go your own way. Siemens Lindsey Buckingham is one of the greatest guitarists of that time. That that his solo and that's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And it, have you seen Lindsey Buckingham play? No, uh, no. Uh, I mean, I've never seen him live, but I've seen him on, on video yeah, and he yeah. has a very much of a, it's a banjo style. That's what he, his oh, so flat yeah. picking is very much banjo, uh, a banjo style. And he calls himself, I can't remember how he describes his guitar. He says he's not necessarily a virtuoso guitarist. He's very much of a stylist and there's there some, you know, great people that have adapted a style. Uh, the Edge comes to mind, Mark Knopfler, who are great guitar players, but have a very distinctive style. And I think Lindsey Buckingham definitely does. Now. Lindsey Buckingham had Hugh shoes to fill with Peter Green from the original Fleetwood Mac sure. lineup. Yeah. But yeah, he's an incredible guitarist and if you see some of these live performances with him and playing that stuff and it's just how his uh, how his right hand is moving is just incredible the flat picking that's going on with that.
0: And now they recently fired Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac, which is really a tragedy.
1: Yeah, well, you know, again, they've always had kind of a fractious relationship, I think, uh, but uh yeah, to me, you know, there are people that argue that you know, different lineups are the Fleetwood Mac. And uh, but th- this Rumors album, you know, and especially because it hit at a time when we were when I was in, in high school or just starting high school. And it was just one of those albums that, that was always around and we always enjoyed.
0: Go Your Own Way, just the, the passion of that song mm-hmm. as he's singing that to to Stevie Nicks, yeah, uh, you know, one of their breakups. So, anyway, sorry, I just wanted to throw that no, in. No, it's like yeah, I said, yeah.
1: it's, it's great album. And, and that's probably going to be a problem with this particular podcast is that each of these albums – you know, to a degree we could take and discuss, you know, for, for several different shows.
0: Yeah, not mine. Mine are pretty obscure. But anyway,
1: yeah. The next one I have is Elvis Costello's My Name is True. That was his de- debut album that came out in 77, although I didn't really become aware of it until 1980. A friend of mine had it, and I just could not stop stop listening to Allison. When I finally stopped listening to Allison and listened to the rest of the album, I realized it was just brilliant. He's a fantastic lyricist, just has really uh, a biting wit and a great sense of humor. Paul McCartney, uh, in some collaborations that they did, uh, compared him to John Lennon and his his, uh, comedic and acerbic style to his lyric writings. But um, welcome to The Working Week, Miracle Man, uh, Blame It on Cain. Allison, like I said, I'm skipping through a few of these. Angels Want to Wear My Red Shoes is one of my favorites. Uh, Watching the Detectives is in here. Oh no, it's not. I'm sorry, actually, I've, I've, I misread that. Just waiting for the end of the world. I need to put my glasses back on. But and that's that's the problem with Elvis Costello. I will put this album on and listen to it over and over again. But a lot of times I'll pick up a lot of other of his stuff too and play it in a playlist.
0: He he's one of those guys that I always wanted to get into, but I just there was never the opportunity.
1: Yeah, to. yeah. And that's what I, I don't think I would have gotten into him had it not been for the friend of mine, George Abad. I'll give a shout out to George. Uh, who was very good at discovering new music. You know, didn't like to listen to necessarily what was on mainstream radio and discovered that. And, uh, you know, since then, he's become a favorite. George and I have seen him together. I've seen him, I uh, saw him in New Orleans, Elvis Costello, not George, but uh, uh, saw Elvis Costello with the boys at Becky a couple of years ago down to the Sanger. It was just great. It's still incredible.
0: That's one of those albums that really kind of launched and cemented new wave.
1: Yeah, it very much did. And, of course, he had a famous SNL uh appearance too that kind of helped <laughs> with the new wave stuff when he changed the song that he was going to be doing live on tv and and lauren michaels freaked out because that show is so t- is timed so exactly yeah and uh, so he was he's one of those band guests the third album i have is just one of my favorite of all times it's the hotel california album by the eagles again uh, came out in 76 uh, most of the hits started coming out in 77 the title track hotel california is brilliant to me but the whole album is one of those new kid in town life in the fast lane uh wasted time and wasted time reprise or reprise however you want to say that uh pretty maids all in road row just, just like i said just song after song that's great this is an album and I, i'm sure this is true of some of the others too but this is an album that i think i had on every format that was possible except for cassette because i had it on eight track i had it on vinyl had it on cd and then you know we've Bought it as a digital download on iTunes, so it's an album that we always want to have access to. But Becky and I were talking about this and discussing these albums, and with the eight track, we can remember where the songs broke. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you'd hear yeah. this and you'd wait, the song would kind of fade out, and then it, chick, chick, and then it would come back up again, and you'd hear that. So uh, again, this just a just a great album. You know, incredibly talented musicians, all three of these folks. Uh, a lot of things going on behind the scenes that led to, I think, uh, to, uh, some of the creative energy that was expended on these albums. But these are just, these are three of the favorites that came to me as we were kind of getting ready for this.
0: You know, I remember seeing that video on VH1 all the time, the music video for Hotel California. Yeah. The
1: live performance. The live performance,
0: yeah. which was great. And then had that, uh, that double headed 12 and six string yeah. guitar that Dunfelder Don played. Felder played. Yeah. Don
1: Felder's persona non grata for the Eagles now, apparently, but, uh. Uh, Somebody, uh, Jeff Clark, who's a friend of mine, lives down on the coast, uh, recorded, it's a friend of Don Felder's, and recorded some stuff of him playing. Really? And he still plays. He had that double neck, uh, what is it, a Gibson SG, I think, a white Gibson SG uh, double neck thing he was playing. It's just brilliant. I love the way they close the song out on the live version. Yeah. Because the, the studio album version has a fade out. So they've added this cold uh, ending to the the live version and, and Joe Walsh and Don Felder trading off licks. is just incredible.
0: It really is. Yeah. Great album. Um, and, but what's funny is, you know, that was a rock album when it was released. If it was released today, it would be country straight up. Yeah.
1: A, a lot. And, and some of their older albums more so than this, you know, would definitely be contemporary country albums as opposed to uh, rock albums now. Yeah. You know, they definitely have that sound.
2: All right. Mr. Reed, Mr. Reed. Um, as I thought through this, it I didn't really plan it this way, but it came out as to be representative albums of certain segments of you know, of a decade or whatever. So I started off with in the '80s, probably mid, early to mid '80s. Uh, Petra, Not of This World, was ah, yeah. the one I chose. But as I looked through all the songs, I couldn't really pinpoint one album. But um, in that time, contemporary Christian music now you call it Christian rock or whatever you want to you know it comes by different names, but you know, I subscribed to a Contemporary Christian Music Magazine and and um, I got to play with a group called The Fishermen from out of Mississippi State, play drums with them and um, was introduced to a lot of this stuff. So I I, I had a lot of different groups that I like to listen to. went to the Ichthus Festival in Kentucky one time and saw... Larry Norman yeah uh, and I saw uh, the last concert of sweet comfort band and uh, some others
0: I don't like you anymore yeah we, we've discussed
2: con- that already uh, but Petra <laughs> was kind of the central because they came out to the hump a couple times and I think maybe saw them in Tupelo so I've seen them more than anybody else and in that music I mean I've got several vinyl albums of theirs and so in that day when CCM was kind of coming of age and it was almost controversial, especially among much the so. older generations, like, I mean, um, we keep talking about my mother, but you know, they, she didn't, you know, she was more, you know, she didn't like the necessarily like the drums, <laughs> you know, on the podium at church and stuff. And we weren't there yet at that time, but, but I really liked Petra. That was sort of my core group of among many.
0: So, so the question for me, for me to you, did you still consider Petra Petra after Gregg Faults left and Junch, and Junch Slit came in? I did listen to it, but it, it, I would, I would
2: fall back to this for sure. So,
0: to, to and Petra, what
2: album was it again? What album? No, not of This World was yeah. the representative album of okay. that. Which was
0: the album right before they went really um, kind of new wave, 80-ish, Beat the System, when yeah. John Lowry came in as a keyboard player. And but,
2: but my favorite song probably is Coloring Song, which I think was an earlier yeah. album.
0: From Never Say Die.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's right. So that was, that was my
0: not, 80s. Not, not to co-op your list. Yeah, I know. But, I
2: knew you'd have something to oh, say about yeah, those. yeah.
0: But. <laughs> Well, the, the first Christian music video show I produced uh, back in the 80s was, we called it Second Wind from okay. Second Wind for More Power 2. Yeah, so, right. Anyway, All right, I'm going to shut up now.
2: So then I moved to North Carolina and lived in Asheville. And Asheville, if you've ever been there, especially if you've lived there, it's got a, uh, it's in the mountains. So it's kind of a, bluegrass culture and i I learned to love bluegrass up there when i was up there but there's a lot of folk music around too Asheville's is very kind of laid back almost a hippie town that's probably not the right word but but was a lot of folk music and some friends of mine uh, from there introduced me to the music of david wilcox and i I still love him he's a great storyteller through his music Um, but at a david wilcox concert a group called eddie from ohio opened up for him and i just fell in love with them. They did a song, probably the one song that resonated with me at that concert was they did sort of their own rendition of the Schoolhouse Rock songs, kind of oh, did wow. a, a, a combo of, of all the Schoolhouse Rock, and I was like, oh, this is me. Um, so the, the, the album that I started with, my Gateway album from Eddie from Ohio, was A Juggler on His Blades. Uh, and if you go, look, go listen to this, look for a song called Very Fine Funeral. Again, storytelling at its best, really good musicians, Robbie Schaefer on guitar, Michael Clem on bass, uh, Julie Murphy-Wells on um, vocals, and uh, then Eddie, oh gosh, I can't remember, I can't believe I can't remember his last name, but Eddie is the drummer, and he's not from Ohio, so that's a whole other thing. There's nobody in the group's from Ohio, but... um, I feel lied to. Well, it's it's an interesting story, which I didn't look up, but... uh, (laughs) The brutal truth. But anyway, I have. I, I thought I owned everything that they had ever produced, including their solo albums. They don't play a lot together right now. But I looked yesterday and realized I'm. I'm a. I'm a few album, few solo albums short of a complete collection. So my we've, birthday's coming up. We've known so. that for years. We we'll just know <laughs> that's the expression albums. we've used, <laughs> right. So then the last group. Um, this kind of developed in when I was in North Carolina as well. Um, But it goes farther back. My dad, growing up, he really looks really liked to listen to Southern gospel and you know uh, the Happy Goodmans, the uh, Florida Boys, and I I just made fun of him anytime he put it on in the car, whatever. I just like, Dad, please, you know, please don't do this. But then I got into it. A friend of mine went to see a concert. The the name of the group we were going to see was Jericho. Turned out they were the up front band, the leading band, and uh, opening band. Um, Greater Vision was the group that that we were sort of the focus of the concert, but um, as I listened to that and kind of got into it again, I went out to the Hominy Valley Singing Grounds. I mean, this is a a part dedicated to Southern Gospel Singing, Um, and they'd have this big um, group thing, like a week of singing. They bring in these big groups, and so over time, I I really got more into it. At church, I sang bass in a gospel quartet, and the album here, we're going to get to the album, um was Gaither vocal bands southern classics hmm. we sang several songs probably my first um uh, song as a as a quartet singer was satisfied well satisfied anyway um uh, that was my i guess gateway album to use that term again um but when we we lived overseas for a while and um i know this is really Putting me into the old soul category, I think. But
0: oh no, that's happened already. Already, <laughs>
2: yeah. But the Gaither home, you know, Bill Gaither is big in these Gaither homecoming videos, which he brings in all these Vestal men Vestal for sure. Mark Lowry, um, Mark Lowry was part of the Gaither vocal band for Larnell a long Harris. time. Larnell and friends of mine from Ole Miss sang with Larnell, sang backup for him, and um, just put in a plug for Reggie and Lady Love Smith. Uh, and now Reggie sings with the with Gaither Vocal Band. He was at Ole Miss when I was there, as was Lady. And so, when you live a long way from home and you're, you know, missing things from home, I, I could sit down and watch a Gaither homecoming or Gaither Vocal Band video and just kind of be transformed. Oh, that's great! And it was kind of funny. I'd be, you know, I could be riding along in uh, in the middle of town and have to stop to allow a pack of camels to cross the street but inside I got the AC going and get their vocal band pumping on the radios or on the on the DVD CD. so
0: you felt like you're on Main Street so? yeah <laughs> well yes yeah.
2: yes except for the uh, air conditioning yeah but uh, but anyway so those are my those are my main three um, more genre and this is kind of I guess than albums but those albums uh, you know are my go-to um, during those times
0: Wow, I will have to say Jay has much more of an open mind musically than I do he's a better man than I am. And I'm I'm not being, I'm not mocking at this point. I'm just saying,
1: I I started to make a joke, but I realized how sincere you're being. So I'm not going to, I wasn't going to step on that.
0: Yeah. Now it's time to make a joke. Feel
1: free. Go ahead. I can take it. No, I was going to make a joke about Uh, Robbie.
0: (laughs) Feel free. I can take it. For sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, interesting. Yeah. Big Petra fan and not so much. So Gaither vocal band, but I do have a funny story about Mark Lowry. I'll tell you off mic one time. Um, So, my three albums are uh, a little bit more eclectic, so I'm going to start with probably the one that you two have heard of first, <laughs> Octune Baby by U2. You see what I did there? You two have heard of first? Ah. Uh, uh, wow. Okay. edgy. Boy, I did not even <laughs> plan that. So, yeah. Thank you, Art. So, um, I'm a big U2 fan and I find that my U2 fandom is not necessarily complete albums, but pieces and parts. Um, I like the earlier stuff and I guess now everything's earlier stuff, but, but pre Joshua tree, uh, unforgettable fire is a great album. Um, boy is a great album. Joshua trees where they really became the super band, the U two that we know today, that was an influential, influential album on, it was actually the first CD I ever bought. Um, so I bought that. That would have been early 1988, late 1987, somewhere in there. Um, but the, the, the album that they did that really kind of resonated with me was Octune Baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was recorded in Berlin before the wall fell. And so it had a very uh, industrial european sound to it and uh, just some some brilliant songs on there uh the fly's great until the end of the world probably my personal favorite off that album and i really never knew why um i love the guitar rift i love the chorus um uh, but then years later you know we you listen to a song you don't necessarily at least i don't necessarily analyze the lyrics i'm looking for a hook i'm looking how it makes me feel um that song is a song, is a conversation between Judas and Jesus. Uh, if you go back and listen to it, uh, it takes place at the Last Supper. So, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Judeo Christian references in U2 throughout their career. Uh, but Octoon Baby was a really just a phenomenal album for me. It had mysterious ways, who's going to ride your wild horses. Um, zoo station which was the opening album uh the opening cut on the album um so just a just a great great album so um if i'm gonna listen to a U2 album front to back it's gonna be octoon baby so plus it came out when i was in college i just moved to mississippi state i was working at, at, at wkor um which was uh hit radio 92 KR at that point but we were still playing rock music and so that was uh that was kind of an important part of our playlist um So my second album, which I will come back to time and time again in my life is, uh, by the call, it's an album called reconciled, which, um, it was released in 1984, 1986. I'm looking, I'm looking, you think I'd kind of figure out when my favorite album was, um, Let's just say mid-80s. But it's, uh, it had probably the, the biggest hit off that is uh, I Still Believe, which Russ Taft did a cover of for his self-entitled LP in 89, I believe. Most folks would know I Still Believe as the song from the Lost Boys that the, uh, that, the, that is played at the uh, carnival that they go to in the, in the movie and you've got this dude, this shirtless dude with this funky dude with a saxophone playing, I still believe. Um, but that album was very influential and still continues to be influential on me. Uh, the, the call Michael Bean, who's the creative force lead singer, bass player. Um, the call is, 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 Martin Scorsese is one of his favorite albums. I mean, favorite uh, uh, bands. Robbie Robertson was on that album as well. Uh, Simple Minds Jim Kerr, I believe, was on that album. So they were known real well in the New York uh, kind of punk new wave scene. Um, They may have done some stuff with Elvis Costello at one Mm -hmm. point. um, But Reconciled is one of my all-time favorites. And I can just pop in and listen to it from from the opening track all the way to the end. And then probably my... uh, my, my favorite of all time is uh, Kansas drastic measures. And so a lot of folks would argue that's not really Kansas. Um, it's more John Elefante and some leftover tracks done by the, some of the musicians of Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you go back, um, Carrie Livgren was the creative force there who wrote Carrie on Wayward's Son and Point of No Return and Dust in the Wind. Um, Carrie did a lot of spiritual searching in the 70s and early 80s, became a Christian in early 80s. Uh, the lyrics of Kansas's album started to shift. Um, Steve Walsh, who was the lead singer, uh, said, I can't sing this crap anymore, quit. They had to bring in. A new lead singer for the Vinyl Confessions album. That was John Elefante. And so that was kind of the last classic Kansas. Minus Walsh as vocalist, and uh, that had Play the Game Tonight, which was a top 20 hit mm-hmm. on it, and a few other things. Well, the follow up album, uh, and at, at that point, the band really started to disintegrate. Kerry Livgren and Dave Hope went off to do some things, uh, but they had a contract to fulfill, and so they put out Drastic Measures, which has a lot of a, um, of a John Elefante influenced uh, sound to it. Uh, John's brother, Dino is a producer who came in. if you're a sweet comfort band fan, they they produce perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of similarities between drastic measures and perfect timing. Uh, but that album, I can again, pop in at any point and listen to it and came out when I was starting as a teenager and you know, you're, you're full of angst and creative energy and. And and angst and more angst and and so that uh, that album really kind of spoke to me at that point. And what's
1: the name of it again?
0: Uh, it's drastic measures. Drastic
1: measures. Okay. I think so, Kansas
2: was the first
1: legit rock concert that I ever went to. I out, hate you out, again. Out of the hump. Yeah, yeah. I saw him. Twice. I saw him actually saw him at Ole Miss and saw him at, at Mississippi State too. Okay, and, we might uh, be in the same. Yeah. And, and Steve Walsh was like all over the stage. You know.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. When did you guys see him? What was the uh, the the time? Gosh, this,
1: I was in college, so this would have been uh, 81, 82. Well, so that would yeah, probably have been was early over. high school. So yes, yeah, so I right. went to the yeah. same show. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: Did you also go to Cool in the Gang?
1: At the... I felt like I went to see Cool in the Gang, but I'm not sure. That's one of those that I have a you know have no memory of. Wow, you
0: saw Kansas. <laughs> Please yeah. don't tell me you saw the Call. I did not see the did Call. Not see the Call. Yeah. Or were you guys even familiar with the Call? Yeah, I remember the Call,
1: but I was you know we were. I I had younger friends that that liked the call and I liked their music but it just you know at that point I don't think I was going to shows you, much anymore. You had grown up is yeah, what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: you two they drive me crazy because I remember a couple of years ago when like you two released an album and they dropped it on everybody's ITunes. Well, that was Apple.
1: That was Tim Cook that did
2: that. Yeah. Too. Well, I haven't ever taken it off, and every time I turn on my Bluetooth in my car, it starts the calif- uh, California. Mine so like, plays the
1: theme from the A Team every time I do it, <laughs> which is a, a particular bone I have with uh, to pick with the Apple. Is that you know give us a way to not make iTunes automatically play? Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But wow. But I did see. Uh, Scrap you mentioned iTunes. Joshua Tree, and of course, Rattle and Hum, the concert video that followed that up. That's when we kind of and I'd heard uh, YouTube before and really liked them before, but Joshua Trees where we really started becoming fans of, of theirs, yeah. and um, I liked Octoon Baby a lot as well. Was it Zootopia that came after that?
0: <laughs> it came after Octoon Baby. It yeah, was, that
1: kind of was such a departure for us. It was, it was it was kind of, we I think we bought the CD, but it was it was not something that we listened to as much as uh, Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum, those two we listened to constantly, and then Octoon Baby, I also liked that very much, so we listened to that as well. But I did get to see uh, The Edge in the lobby of the Peabody when they were there filming Rattling and Home. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he's that's walking cool. through that. Yeah.
0: I've seen you two five
1: times. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen them. I would like to have oh, seen them. Oh, it's a great the, show. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. and I, I like them. I don't want to say I don't like them, but I, I don't think I've, I just still haven't found what I'm looking for. Wow. Oh.
1: That actually is pretty good. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I
0: was going to do some sort about of a podcast with no name or I couldn't really <laughs> come up with anything. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So... All right, guys. Well, that's our musical album. Uh, our musical album Our podcast. musical album just dropped. That's right. That's right. We just dropped. We dropped. So, uh, well, we yeah.
2: did sing, too. Did we all sing on this? Art sang a little bit. I sang a little bit. I can't remember how many podcasts
1: Robbie?
0: we've done today. So <laughs> yeah, This True. is the fifth podcast. So, anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. And we will see you soon.